Alright, so last time we were together, we looked at all of this. You remember all of this. And, and, and we got to this because we, we began studying scripture together talking about the purpose of the church. And, and you remember, so we said there's five purposes of the church. And we get those, those, those five purposes from two really, really great passages, right? Great passages. I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat this into you. We're gonna get it, right? So five purposes from two great passages. The first great passage, of course, is the great commandment. Somebody came to Jesus and he said, listen, uh, teacher, what's the greatest of the commandments? He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart. With all of your soul, with all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now I want to encourage you, in the bulletin, you're going to find sermon notes. If you try to write down the recap, you are going to have a hand cramp, like, like nobody's business. We're going to fly through this. So if you weren't here last week, log on to the website. You can download all the sermon notes, and, and then we'll get to, to your portion of the program today. So this is just, we're recapping, okay? So, so he, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, uh, and, and love your neighbor as yourself. And that's the first two purposes of the church we get, right? Is worship, the worship of God, love God with all of our hearts, and, and service or ministry, loving others, right? And then we, we turn to the, the Great Commission. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And so we get those next three purposes of the church, right? We look at evangelism, then we talk about, you know, baptizing, that's fellowship and membership, and then, of course, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you, discipleship. Uh, then we shifted focus. We said the church also has three ministries, that we exist to minister to God. Uh, that's, that's our primary purpose, folks. We gather here, believe it or not, to worship God. That's what it's about. Don't think that worship is something that just happens before preaching. Friends, worship is why we're here. We are here to worship God because He's worthy of all of our worship and all of our praise. And so that's a big deal. The church also exists to minister to members, to build up members into faith and maturity in Jesus Christ. And so that's a big part of what the church does. And finally, the church exists to minister to the world. And we minister to the world both in word, evangelism, and in deed, in service, okay? And so we talked about those things. And then finally, uh, right before we got to this, we, we looked at, at, at this. We said that, uh, we, we said, uh, that the church, um, Ephesians 4, uh, was a body, and as a body that it was meant for maturity, okay? And then Ephesians 6, we said the church is an army, and as an army... That, uh, that, that the church was, was supposed to be strategic. We're not just supposed to run aimlessly into war, right? You don't, you don't, you know, join the army and they don't give you a gun and a, and a suit and stuff and then, and then say, hey, good luck. That's not really how that works, but all too often in churches, that's what we do. We, we say, oh, hey, you're a Christian, you prayed the prayer. Alright, brother, good luck. Good luck, right? And so say the, the church has to be strategic. And so that brought us to our question, if those are the case, does our church, do, do we have a strategy for facilitating spiritual growth? What is our strategy? And, and that's what we kind of looked at. And so this is our strategy for developing spiritual uh, growth. This is, you might call it our strategy for discipleship. And so then when we are in agreement with this definition of disciple, it's by George Barna, uh, he says that uh, discipleship is the intentional training of people who voluntarily submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and who want to become imitators of Christ in every thought, word, and deed. So we said the end result of this bad boy here, what we're shooting for, guys, we're hoping to facilitate, that means encourage, to help spiritual growth and maturity that leads to somebody that loves God with everything that they are and serves God with everything that they have. You see that? Love God with everything you are. Serve God with everything you have. And so that's where we ended up. So we got into this process. We said, here's our process. We start with explore. And we talked about we got to create a culture of invitation. So this is evangelism 101. It takes zero training in evangelism to invite somebody to church. Zero. Right? It's a conversation. Hey, you want to come to church? 
Super easy, right? You don't have to memorize the Roman road. You don't have to know half the Bible. You don't have to know the different types of literature. Just, would you like to come to church? It's super, super easy. And so we kind of start there. We talked about believe, which is our worship service, which we, we, we solely want to lift up Jesus. Jesus said, when I am lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. Okay, so we want to exalt and, and, and lift up Jesus. We talk about belong, which is not just membership, but, but even further than that, we, we want you plugged into a small group. We want you to do life together. We want you to be devoted to one another. Uh, become, that's, that's personal discipleship. That's personal. We get some corporate discipleship when we show up at, at church, right? We grow in Christ a little bit just, just if we don't fall asleep during the sermon. And if, and if we, we actually like listen to the words that we're singing, we get some discipleship. That's corporate discipleship. This is going, going further. This is me saying, how can I grow in Christ? How can I follow Jesus? How can I look more like Him? And so we talked about that. And then finally, beyond. Beyond is when we get to a point that we want to discover the gifts that God has imparted to us when we were saved. And we want to start using those gifts for His kingdom and for His glory. Okay, And that's kind of where we are. That's our process. Which leaves us with this question this morning. If that is our process, then pastor, what is my role? How do I fit in to this process? And that's what I want to talk about with you this morning. I want to talk with you about how you fit into that process. And here's what we're going to do. The answer is really kind of twofold. I joked in the early morning service. It's not so much twofold as it is one fold with... I, I don't know. It's like a, there's like a bend somewhere, okay? It's not really a fold, okay? It's kind of all the same thing. And, and so here's the two things we're going to ask of every member. And here's the first. Uh, we need you to personally be walking through this process. Guys, we're, I, I don't know how to explain it better to you than we as a church are giving ourselves fully to this process. We're investing everything that we have in this process, our time, our energy, and our effort. This process will define how we grow. It'll, it'll define our ministries. It'll define how we add staff in the future. Okay, We're going to be about making disciples. We're going to give ourselves to it. And, and remember, our aim for you uh, is, is, remember, lots of people go to church. Very few people give themselves to the church. We're going to ask that you would give yourself to the church and to making disciples. Give yourself to the process. So we're asking for some serious, uh, serious commitment. And, and here's what we're going to do. Uh, if you have those sermon notes, you have this chart. Uh, this is what I kind of want you to do in your mind. Kind of draw a line right here. Uh, under explore, because we're going to get back to that. We're going to start with believe. And I've got two things for you uh, at each step along the road. And then one thing I want to share with you here. Two things that you can do to walk through this process. Two things that you can do, okay? So, so let's start with believe. Here, number one. Number one. You can attend church regularly. Okay, if this is worship, this is our worship service, that's what we're talking about, then, then we, we need you to make the worship of God a priority in your life. Okay? It, it kind of needs to be a big deal because God's kind of a big deal. Uh, when I study scripture, I figure like he made everything in his image. He said it was good. Okay, He, he actually tells us that we're, we're not to worship anything but him, meaning we are to worship him, a.k.a. He's saying, worship me. I'm worthy of all honor, glory, and praise. And so we should probably worship him. And so right, we're going to ask you, make, make that a, a regular thing. Make it a priority in your life. Here's number two when we get here. Um, and as you do, as you come on a regular basis, here's what you have to do. You've got to worship in spirit and in truth. It does you no good to come to church on a regular basis and not actually worship. Okay? See, see and here's the deal. Like, I'm getting it now. I never got it before because I wasn't saved till I was like 20. Okay? But I've been a Christian now for 17 years. And I've been in, in ministry for like 11. And so, when you do that, like, I've been in church pretty much every week since I got saved. Usually multiple times a week. Often teaching multiple times a week. And I know that it's easy to come here out of habit. But I need you to hear me. Coming here out of habit is not worship. 
It's not worship. Look at this. This is what Jesus says. He's talking to the woman at the well. Listen to what he says. He says, believe me, woman. A time's coming when, when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. But we worship what we do know for salvation comes for the Jews. Now check this out. He says, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. God is spirit, and His worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. So spirit and in truth. First thing, when we hear spirit, we think about the chapter right before John 4. John 3, Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night, remember, and he says, Hey, hey, how do I get this eternal life thing? And, and Jesus says to him, well, Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. And he says, well, I'm not going back in my mom's womb. That's not cool. He says, no, you've got to be born of the Spirit, Nicodemus. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. So here's the picture, the picture of worship. When, we, when we're born again, when we receive Jesus as Savior, when we surrender our lives, God imparts His Spirit unto us. We are born of the Spirit. Now, worship is when that Spirit of God in us cries out to God who is Spirit. And, and that cry is something like, Abba, Father. Father, right? It's dead. It's spirit to spirit. That is the only thing that counts as worship. Friends, I don't know about you, but that's more than just singing some songs half-heartedly, right? That's more than me coming with my hands in my pockets. When, when we talk about spirit, that's from the depths of who you are. It's a big deal. See, real worshipers worship in spirit. And he says they worship in truth. And we're talking about genuine worship. Guys, genuine worship is when we don't come here to lie. Right? And some people are, I don't come to church a lot. Yes, you do. When you walk through the door with a smile on your face, when your life is a wreck, you lie the moment you came in. Genuine worship is when we come before God and say, God, I've got nothing to hide because from where you sit, you see all of mankind and you know that my life is a wreck and you know that my life is a wreck and you know that my marriage is struggling and you know that I want to strangle my kids, at least two of them. And, you know, and you're kind of working through that process. Genuine worship means that there are times that it's easy and we come and we're just praising God and we're dancing. And I mean, yes, you can dance. I don't care if you're Baptist. If you can halfway carry a tune, man, do the Carlton or something, brother. I mean, whatever you can do right? dance before the Lord sometimes it's easy but if we're worshiping God genuinely it means there's also sometimes that the words don't come so easy it means that there may be times in the middle of a song that we have to stop and shut up and listen it may mean that there's times in the middle of singing we've got to fall on our face before God and confess sin it may mean that there are times in the middle of what we're saying that God convicts our heart and we've got to go to a brother and say brother I am so sorry I've sinned against you would you forgive me so that I can worship God that's worship. It's in spirit and in truth. And guys, I, I'm just going it, to... It's got to happen on a regular basis in your life. You've got to make it a priority. Hear me now. God is better than every third Sunday. God is better than once a month. God, God is better than overtime. God is better than football. God is better than hockey. God, God is, is, is better than gymnastics. God deserves more than that from us. I'll share this, this with you lastly. When you do that, when, when you gather on a regular basis and you worship God in spirit and in truth, something amazing happens. You actually create this great culture of evangelism because there's nothing, there's, there, there's, there's nothing more powerful, there's nothing more attractive than people that have been genuinely changed. You see, when I got saved, I, the, these people said, hey, come to me. Come, come to this thing with me. If they would have told me that we were going to Bible study, I'd been like, no, you're crack smokers. We're not doing that. Um, where's the beer? I mean, I'm, I'm just being honest. Like, where, where, where are the girls? Where's the beer? That's where I was. 
So I say, hey, come to me in this thing. We're going to have a lot of fun. I walk in, this, this room full of college kids, and, and guys I'd been in church before, but this wasn't, this wasn't church. These people, they were all worshiping God in spirit and in truth. And, and some of them were, were, were clapping, and some were dancing, and some were on their knees, and they were bowing, and some were crying. And immediately I knew these people had something that I didn't have. In their honest, genuine worship of God, they revealed to me that I did not have the same spirit Living inside of me. It's evangelism at its core. And so I want to encourage you. We, we've got to start there. You, you've, got to, you've got to make worship a priority. You've got to worship God in spirit and truth. Okay, let's move here. Let's move here. When we talk about belonging, we're talking about two things again. Number one, we're, we're talking about membership and baptism. Okay? Think about membership and baptism. And here's what I would say to you. Stop being a consumer. You need to be a contributor. God doesn't call Christians to be a consumer. That's not what he... God calls us to be contributors to the kingdom. That's, that's what we're called to be. And so if you're one of those people and you come to church and you go to church and you visit and you do the thing and you, you're doing all the stuff but you're never plugged in, you have no ownership, you're not contributing, you, you, you take this in the best way you can, you're just kind of sucking all the life out. All that you can get. All that you can get. But the church is, is, is called to work differently. You're called to be a part of it. You're called to be pouring in. You can still, you can still take some life out, right? As long as you're pouring it back in. It's the way that it's meant to be. And, and so we, we ask you to do that. Now, now we do that here and, 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 and baptism is the way you become a member unless you've already been baptized. Here's what we ask baptism. It needs to be post-conversion. It means you get baptized after you were saved. There's nobody in scripture that got baptized before they were saved. It just didn't happen. Okay, so it's got to be post-conversion. We encourage it to be by immersion. But listen, if you've got some health problem, I'll, I'll get the water hose. I don't care. Amen. I don't care. You know what I'm saying? Let's, 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 let's just do it. man. But, but get plugged in. Don't, don't just be a consumer, be a contributor. That's part one. Here's part two. Okay? You've got to move beyond membership and you've got to get plugged into a small group. Why? Jesus had one. <laughs> just saying he did. Twelve guys hung out with three a whole lot. Okay? Jesus was in a small group. Here's, here's, here's why. Man, spiritual maturity happens best in a small group where you're, where you're doing life with other people. You're rubbing elbows. You're talking about your hurts and your pains and your struggles and your joys and, and, and your failures and your faults. And you pray for one another, right? And so here's the deal. This is not enough. You've got to get into a small group. And, and now for some of you, some of you are so introverted. I say small group and you're like, okay. Here's the cool thing. When I say small group, you don't have to be in one of those life groups that sits around my living room and, and eats and I ask you questions or somebody asks you questions when you have to pour out your whole soul. That may not be your deal yet. Okay? For some of us, we enjoy that. Right? Just, that's what we do, man. That was church right there. I cried ten times. It was awesome. Uh, you know, some of us, but listen, if you're more introverted, just so what do you do? You go to a Sunday school class. It's a small group. It's less than this. Okay? And it's a small, and you're doing life with other believers. Sit, sit across a table from them, drink some coffee, eat a donut, talk about Jesus, share some prayer requests, let people know you. They need to know you were a body, okay? And so, so that's what we're talking about here, those two things we need to belong. We get to become two more things. Two more things. Number one, I'm talking about you personally spending time with God. Personally spending time with God. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he's got to deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. This is, this is your personal pursuit of the Savior. Okay? And, and I'm not going to use the word quiet time. Just spend time with God. If you have lots of kids, there is no quiet time. Right? Have you decided, I mean, some of you moms, bless your heart, I know what life is like for you. Because my wife is there. I know that when you go to the bathroom, you've got one hand on the door. Right? Just don't come in here. 
I need a few minutes. I need some sanity, right? I mean, some of you, that's just life, and life is that way. Listen, here's where, when we say spend time with God, man, read His Word. Man, be praying. Have some personal time of worship. You say personal worship. Yeah, get in the car, Caleb, man. Crank it up. You know what? People think you're crazy. Unroll the window. Sing about Jesus in the middle of traffic while everybody's stuck on 35, you know. I've got an answer. His name is Jesus. How's your day? God bless you. Stuck there. Don't wave at me with one finger. God bless you. God bless you. Right? You just, just let them have it, okay? So we're going to spend time with God. We're going to personally worship. We're going to do those things, okay? Number two, this is huge. Follow me. We're going to ask you to take a spiritual growth assessment. And now here's the deal. Everybody wants to take this test. It's not really a test. It's an assessment. It's 30 questions. Everybody wants to do that. Then we give them a plan. We say, here's a personal plan of action. They're like, well, I took the test. You mean I'm supposed to do something about it? Yes. Yeah. You got to, you got to take the assessment and work through the plan. Now, 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 so here's the deal. Uh, when you take the assessment, 30 questions, it goes over six disciplines of the Christian life. Uh, we'll talk about that in a, in a week or two. Uh, and, and then, and then when you're done, you get a personalized plan that, sh- that we identify the, the greatest opportunity of, of growth in your life. And we give you a plan to work on it. And here's what that plan looks like. It has three categories, okay? Category number one is gross suggestions and opportunities. Some of it's as simple as, hey, hey, you know, uh, find some accountability partners, right? Some of it's as simple as memorize scripture. Some of it involves going and serving somewhere. But we'll give you seven to ten uh, opportunities for growth and, and, and things like that, okay? Um, number two, we'll give you resources. By resources, I mean books, okay? How many of you like to read? Okay, all the rest of you suck it up. Right? Just deal with it. This is life. You don't learn if you don't read. Okay? Welcome. Um, my first seminary class, my seminary professor said, how many of you like to read? It was like three guys. I'm like, those are the guys that are about to mess up my curve. Uh, those three. And, 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 the, and the rest of us, you know, the rest of us were like, ah. And he just looked at us and he says, I'm sorry. Suck it up. Guess what? Welcome to life. You want to learn, you've got to study. You want to learn, you've got to study. And so, so if we really want to grow and follow Jesus, we've got to put something into it. Right? I, I did youth ministry for years and I asked kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? And all the guys were like, well, I want to be a good husband and a good father and I want to be very successful and make lots of money. I'm like, well, that's great, but you don't even go to school. You know, you, you're, you're cutting class half the time. That's not going to happen, right? You're looking at porn on the internet. Guess what? You're not going to magically become a great husband. That's not going to happen, right? If you want to be something, you've got to work for something, right? You've got to work towards it. I'm just going to be honest with you. If you want to pursue Jesus and grow, then we're going to give you some great books to read you got to read them. you got to read them. Okay? That's the way that it's going to work. You're actually going to have to chew them up and, and swallow them and, and, and make some sense out of them. Now, here's the cool thing. We're going to give you like six, eight books. You just We're asking you to read one. Read one over the course of a year. Some of those books are only like 115 pages. 115 pages divided by 365 days. I think you're good, man. I think you can make it. I really do. Your kindergartner might make that, right? So, so just get after it. Give it your best shot. Then Bible studies, okay? Bible studies is the third thing. And you'll, you'll have anywhere from one to two Bible studies that we'll recommend. And, and again, on your own, by yourself, you're going you're gonna to work through those Bible studies and grow in that area, okay? So that's what we're asking when we talk about personal pursuit of Jesus when we come to become. Let's move to beyond. Beyond. What are we asking? Okay, again, two things. Number one, discover your spiritual gifts. When you were saved, God gave you gifts. He gave you specific gifts. And you don't have the same gifts as your spouse, 
Uh, praise God for that. I'm so glad that my wife doesn't have the same gifts as me because she balances me out like you wouldn't believe. I mean, she has the gift of administration, and dude, without that, I would be lost. Uh, she keeps me on schedule. Like, I don't know about you, but I, I, I am so grateful that my wife sends me to the grocery store with a list. Amen? You know, because once they reorganized HEB, I was gone. I was like, I've just wandered around forever. I don't know what I'm looking for. And so now I, I've got the list, and she even breaks down my list based on aisles. Like, I'm telling you, she's got it. She's got the gift, baby. Keep me in line. Okay, here's the deal. God gave you gifts too, specifically for you, for His glory, for His kingdom use. He gave them to you. You've got to discover them. So we're going we're gonna to need you to take an inventory, okay? It's not a test. You can't fail it. It's an inventory. Uh, it's it's kind of long, but it's worth it, okay? Uh, we'll talk about that in the coming weeks and what the gifts are. Um, number two. Once you do that, you've got to find a place to serve, to start using those gifts. And here's what we're going to ask. We're going to ask you to actually sit down with us. Over the last few weeks and over the next couple of weeks, we are working diligently to come up with a list of areas in which you can serve based off of your giftedness. It's not just say, hey, well, here's all the holes in the church. Good luck. We're going to say, if you have the gift of administration, maybe you should look into this. Some of those things will be inside the church. Some of those things will be outside the walls of the church because remember, it's all about God's kingdom and bringing people back in, okay? So that's, that's those four. Now let's go back to this one. Let's go back to this one, explore. This is kind of a big deal. It's kind of a big deal. I'm keeping an eye on the time, I promise. Explore. All right, save the best for life. Now, we, we talked about creating a culture of invitation. And, and so when I say that, this is what I mean. This is your one thing to write down here. Consistently, relationally, Inviting people to church. Consist- why am I doing Why am I inviting them to church? Because the church has actually been set up as a process of discipleship. The church is giving herself to making disciples, therefore you're inviting people to the church. You following me? We've just become a tool for you to use. Okay. Now, so that's what we're going to do. I want to share some things with you. This is going to rock your world a little bit. Before we do, I want to ask some questions. Now, when I ask questions, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. This is not meant for embarrassment purposes. I want to reveal to you that we're all in the same boat, okay? Are you ready? <laughs> Here we go. How many of you invited somebody to church this week? Raise your hand. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Maybe eight or nine. Ten, eleven. Okay, eleven. Eleven. All right. Uh, how many of you invited somebody to church? Well, you also heard the sermon last week. How many of you invited somebody to church last week? Let me ask that. Okay, okay. That's still not bad. That's still not bad. Um, how many invited somebody to church in the last month? Okay, a little better. In the last year. That includes Easter, folks. That's the easiest invitation day on earth. Hey, it's Easter. You wanna? I mean, it's not that hard. <laughs> like, it's really not bad. Alright, so, uh, okay, okay, okay. I wanna, that kind of fleshes out what, what you're about to see. I want you to write these things down. It's on the back of your sermon notes. Fill in the blanks for me, okay? Um, now, now this, all this research is done by the president of Lifeway. Um, and and it's, it's a little shocking. I'm just going to be honest. Um, Tom Rayner, president and CEO of Lifeway Christian Resources, he, he, he uh, wrote a book called The Unchurched Next Door, and this all comes from him. He says 98% of churchgoers, 98% of churchgoers never extend an invitation to church in a given year. 98%. Folks, if we're not inviting people to church, what do you think the possibility is that we're sharing the gospel with them? 
Like, if we can't say, hey, you want to come to church with me? I mean, do you think we're walking them through the Roman road? You think we're talking to them about their need for Christ? You think we're, we're going, hey, did you know that you're a sinner and I am too? Did you know that because of our sin we're separated from a perfect God? Did you know that, that Jesus provided a way that we could be made right? Like, we're probably not having that conversation if we're not saying, hey, you want to come to church? 98% of Christians never invite somebody to church during the year. Wow. Now, this is what makes it worse. Check this out. 82% of the unchurched, 82% of the people that don't come to church said that if somebody invited them, they would be likely to come. Follow me. 82% of people not in church said if somebody invited them, they'd seriously think about coming. 98% of us won't invite them. What's wrong? 82%, if you invite me, I'll really think about coming. 98, I'm not going to invite anybody. You go, gosh. And then it gets worse. And then follow this. In his statistic, he says, guess what? The majority of people come to church because of personal invitation. He does his research and he says, guess what? People don't just wake up and wander to a church. That's not usually how it happens. Unchurched people don't do that. They don't just wake up on Sunday and go, hey, I don't think I'm going to get ready for the game. I think I'm going to get dressed and you should get dressed too. Let's take the kids to church. Well, what church? That one over there. It doesn't happen. People come to church. Most of them, when they come, they come because they're invited. Now follow me here. This is, this is, ooh. Hear this last one. Seven out of ten unchurched people have never been invited in their entire life. I told Chris he could come up here and preach this part for me. Guys, that's crazy. That's crazy. 82% say that they'll seriously think about coming if you invite them. 98% of us won't even invite them, right? 70% of them have never been invited in their life. Can you imagine being 65 years old and, and for 65 years no one's invited you to church? Can you imagine? Guys, we've, we've got to get on it. We can do better than that, Amen. We can do better than that, amen? And here's what I believe. I, and maybe it's because I'm crazy. I got a little bit of that in me, all right? All right? Not wackadoo crazy. I just mean crazy for Jesus crazy, right? So here's what I believe. I honestly think that if you guys will buy, if you believe that we have a strategy for helping produce spiritual maturity, and if you'll plug yourself into it, I believe, I believe that they're going to come. I believe that we're going to see something happen that only God can explain. So here's how I'm going to help you, okay? This is, this is number two, okay? I want you to use abide as your guide. Now, some people say, well, pastor, I don't know, I don't know how to invite them. I don't know, I don't know how to do that. I, I just, it freaks me out a little bit. Okay, well, let me, let's take some of the freak out out of it. Here we go. Abide. It's an acronym. Start with A. Add. Add somebody to your life. Specifically, we're talking about unchurched folks. I love you. Jesus loves you. But if all you ever do is hang out with Christians, you're not fulfilling the Great Commission. Okay? There are unchurched folks everywhere. You say, Pastor, how do I add somebody to my life? It's not that stinking hard. You know, the grocery store really helps us out a lot. When you check out at the grocery store, you know what they did? They put the name tag on those people right there for you. Isn't that awesome? Hey, Christy, how are you? 
You having a good day today? No, you're like the 500 person I've checked out. I'm not feeling so great and I haven't eaten. My wife had a conversation with a lady not long ago. She was checking out and the lady was pregnant. She goes, oh my gosh, I've been craving that. That looks so good. You know what she did? She opened up the container and gave the lady a cupcake. She said, oh, I've never had a customer ever do something like that for me. Right? Hey, Christy, how are you? Your day okay? Right? That's, that's my first conversation. I just met Christy. You know what I do next time I go to H-E-B? I figure out which line Christie's in, right? I know the rest of you are like, you know, cows. You're like, I just want to get out of here and go home. Like, you're just, you're, I mean, you see the line, you're like, ah, when's Walmart going to open? And you're just doing that thing, right? But instead, you could be intentional and you could start looking. Where's Christie? Oh, there's Christie's line right there. And you go get back in Christie's line. Now, you've got to wait 15 minutes longer because Christie's not the fastest checker, right? There's not really a Christie that I'm talking about, by the way. Uh, and, and so, so, and then when she checks you out, hey, Christy, remember me? I asked about you the other day. You know, you said you weren't doing so great. I've been praying for you. How's that thing going? Wow. Third time I see Christy, guess what I'm asking her? Hey, Christy, I'm still praying for you. You know what? I'd love it if you'd come to church with me someday. Right? I just added somebody to my life, a checker at the grocery store. You can do that with a checker at the grocery store. You can definitely do that with your neighbor. You can do it with the, the, the parents of the kids that uh, your kids play sports with. You can do it with people at work. It's not that hard. Add somebody to your life. Just get out of your comfort zone a little bit. Just conversate. Just, just talk to them a little bit with the point being eventual invitation to church, okay? Number two. Once you do that, you're going to bring them. Now, I don't mean kidnapping, okay? I just want to be honest. I'm going to be honest. If you have a van, don't go there, okay? I'm not thinking like you show up, you throw them in, they come to church, you take the bag off their head. We don't want that. Uh, probably a lawsuit in the, in the, in the works there. Um, bring, I, I mean, uh, of course, invite. Now, again, if you're going to bring somebody to church, um, you kind of have to be at church. It doesn't really do a lot of good to say, hey, Christy, you want to come to church? And then you not be here, right? So this is what, hey, Christy, um, what... What, what service we do too? We do an 8.30 and 11. She says, I've got to be at work at 11. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll meet you at the 8.30 service. Right? And so you're here. You get here early so you can greet her when she walks in because you're probably the only person she'll know. Right? So you greet her when she walks in. Maybe even offer, hey, do you need a ride? My family and I can come pick you up. We can, we, we can leave early and drop you back off you know, at HEB if that's what you need. Right? So, so what am I doing? I'll tell you a great way, Baptist. You ready? Hey, you want to go to church with us? We're going to Morelia's afterwards. Yeah, Mexican. What? We just we hooked that up, didn't we? It's on me. You know, we'll pay for. It. So you just you so you bring them to church, okay? It's not that difficult. Once they're coming to church with you guys, here's the next step, right? I'm already in a small group. I know what fellowship is. I'm rubbing elbows with other Christians. So guess what? I'm going to include them into my small group. Now, small group leaders, listen to me. I say this in love. If that means that your group gets a little big, deal with it. Suck it up, right? So, so now my group has grown so big that not everybody can answer questions. That's why we do groups in eight-week sessions. You can get through eight weeks of a group too big. And then at the end of eight weeks, you'd say, hey, maybe we should talk about splitting the group. Or, you know, and you do that thing. It's fine. You include them into fellowship. They need to know what other Christians are like other than just you. Because you could be a little crazy. Right? So they need to know what other Christians are like. So you're going to include them in your small group. Okay, now D, now D, develop, 
We're going to oversee their spiritual development. You say, I don't know how to do that. I'm not a pastor. No, but you're a Christian, right? So you ask questions. Hey, Christy, you have a Bible? Well, you know, I, I was going to get one the other day, but there's like five million translations, and I don't even know which one to read. And you say, well, Christy, I really like the NIV. It's kind of a thought for thought. Or maybe you like the NLT. It's a little more poetic. Or, 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 or if you want something that's, that's a little more rigid, it's word for word. The NASB is a great Bible. You know what? I'm going to be in Austin next week. Could I run by life? Why not just pick one up for you? You get her a Bible, right? Say, hey, hey, Christy, man, have you ever heard of a thing called a devotional? She looks at you like, what? You say, well, it's just kind of a little book that helps me think about God every day, right? It just gives me a little scripture to read and has a little thought for the day. Um, I, could, could I, I've got an extra copy of mine. Could I give that to you? Well, yeah, awesome. That'd be great. I'm just helping oversee their development. You following me? It's not that hard. Christy, hey, have you figured out how this whole prayer thing works yet? You know that you don't have to point to the east or talk in, in old English, like, Oh, dearest Heavenly Father, thou art worthy, and you don't have to do that? Did anybody tell you you can talk to Jesus like you talk to a friend? Okay? And so you're, you're helping oversee their development. You can do this. You can do this. This is called discipleship. Here's the last part of the puzzle, okay? We're almost done. Engage. Once they've done this, and this Christy man, she has come to church, and, and she's, 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 she's showed up with you, she's, she's in your small group with you right now, you're helping oversee development, guess what? At some point as she's growing in Jesus, you say, hey Chris, can I show you something? <laughs> it's time for you, sister, to go find somebody and encourage them to come to church. You get them plugged back in the process. That's called multiplication. Guys, there's two ways for churches to grow. They can grow by addition or multiplication. Does anyone know which one's faster? Multiplication. Additions where you pay the pastor to go out one by one and he knocks on somebody's door and says, Hi, do you know Jesus? Would you like to come to church? And a, lot of, a lot of places do that. They think it's the pastor's job. Those, those churches typically grow at that rate, by the way. Maybe one a week. Maybe. Right? But then there's churches that understand multiplication and every member is a minister and they go out into the world and they are focused on making disciples because they themselves are being discipled. And it changes everything. Changes everything. Then we see Acts 2 happening and God starts adding to their number daily. Okay? Give you these things and we're done. Same things we had last week when we talked about application. All right? Not going to call you to anything this morning other than this. Please study it. That's a whole lot to take in. Guys, we just, we just covered years of work that have been done by really smart people. Years. All in 30, 40 minutes. Study it. Go home, study it. Number two, pray about where you are. Pray about this process. Where am I in this process? Be honest. Don't lie to yourself, right? Genuine. Worship in spirit and in truth. God, where am I? Where's my heart? Do I have a heart for others? Am I bringing people to church? Am I helping oversee somebody's discipleship? Am I being discipled? Pray about it. Okay, number three, get ready to take the next step. We're not going to call you to it this morning, but it's coming. It's coming. Guys, in a couple weeks, we're going to talk about this, this, this spiritual growth assessment. We're going to talk about spiritual gifts, and then we're going to call you to step up and take that next step in your journey. I pray that you're ready for it when that time comes. Would you please join me in a word of prayer this morning? Let's pray. Father, 